0: What's up, guys? Welcome to Just So We're Clear, a podcast brought to you straight out of Singapore with your host, Marissa True, and myself, Hanley Hofer. Now if you've listened to us before, well, you know the deal. But if you're new here, well, hey, welcome.
1: So on this show, we cover pretty much everything to do with modern life female empowerment sex mental health finances you name it we do it in the most uncut way possible
0: Mm -hmm. so grab a coffee maybe even a glass
1: of wine no definitely some wine light a scented candle or maybe you're at the gym or you're cooking your dinner but consider this next hour your time to feel like you're not alone because trust us we get it it's just so we're clear
0: All right. So welcome back to the show. Henley here. Marissa opposite me. Hi. We want to give you a little lowdown, a little honesty of the energy we're coming to you with today. Firstly,
1: it's about redemption. <laughs> I think <laughs> <laughs> to redeem ourselves and to also redeem the
0: situation. So this is the realities of indie producing a podcast is that the tech don't take a
1: cute little way of saying we try our best at home from scratch yeah indie boutique boutique if you may
0: um so basically we've tried to record this episode two times already if this we feel number three if we feel chaotic at the beginning bear with us we will eventually even out um but here we are marissa
1: <sighs> listen just to give a bit of context to the situation, what had happened was Hallie and I sat down, we didn't really have too much to focus on, but we thought, we'll run with it, and then we ended up recording probably one of our better episodes to date, and the moment we hit stop, it blanked the entirety of the recording, and then we just looked at each other in silence and went, well, we're not going to do this again today, so we'll try again next week. And then we did, here we are, and the first attempt same thing happens. So here we are, like number three. It's like the episode that doesn't want to be made. I told you, it's the SpongeBob episode that never existed. It's the long lost episode that they spend a whole other episode building up to before they never actually show you the long lost episode. I feel
0: like this is us fighting the power.
1: Is it the universe telling us to, to stop? <laughs> Ooh. The universe is like, yo, shut up. Yeah.
0: <laughs> stop recording yourselves. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> here, here we go. Um, But anyway, Chaotic Energy, I think you guys like that anyway, which is why you return if you return. But let's kick off properly with the episode. Hope everyone's been doing great. It's been an interesting mid-year. I can't believe we're already approaching the end of August. I feel like from this point onwards, the rest of the year just gets super busy in terms of the social events. Everything starts to happen really quickly, and Frankly, I'm here for it. I'm up for living La Vida Loca. I'm all open for whatever's to come.
1: I am in the opposite camp where I know I have plans right up until the 7th of January. And I'm like, my God, why? Hmm. Like, where did they all come from? How have I kind of roped myself into all this? Given two of them are weddings and then the other is Christmas and New Year's. So that's sort of bundled together. And those are things that you can't not do but I'm like how did we sign up for all of this without thinking about it this is life but you know actually this kind of aids to the topic that
0: we covered in the failed episode where you brought up actually and and just to give you guys an idea of what we talked about and what we're probably going to end up talking about again today we spoke about when do you know it's time for you to upgrade your life like when do you know when you need change or when do you know when you're going to allow yourself to just let your hair down to just you know relax to enjoy yourselves we use this analogy of you know when do you burn the good candle when do Mm -hmm. you drink the The good good wine? wine and some of us we kind of put these things almost like on a benchmark or if we hit a goal or if like A, B and C is perfect then we'll allow ourselves to indulge and just enjoy but I think that what you're doing with keeping yourself busy with all these wonderful events, weddings and holidays, even if it's up till January, is a version of you letting yourself drink the good wine.
1: Oh, it absolutely is. Because every single time I've had to book one of these flights, I'm thinking to myself, is this something I can afford? Is this the right time to book? Should we spend be spending this money right now? And then I kind of take a, like a backseat and I think, I have worked so hard and so long for these trips to just be up to my own discretion if I want to go do them I can afford to go do them and I finally hit that benchmark and here I am slowing down and being like oh should I pay for that I absolutely should that is the life part that is the I don't know I guess like the true profit of all the hard work that I've
0: done let's break it down a little bit so Marissa and I we are in our early 30s You know, we're not young professionals anymore. Not really. We've done our hours. <laughs> we're
1: middle tier. <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've put in the work. We've each made names for ourselves, respectively, in our own industries. And it's like, at what point do we allow ourselves that graduation in just lifestyle? Like, when do you, like, let yourself buy the nice sheets for the bed for yourself? Yeah. Or do, when do you let yourself, like, use your hard earned cash to like buy a nice bag or book a nice flight or mm-hmm. upgrade your seat if you're in that position that's
1: where i'm at right now i've booked my tickets and i'm like how much would it cost for me to take business class mm. too much too much still out <laughs> of reach we're not there yet maybe yeah. 40 we'll try the next decade but it's exactly that point where it's you're at an age where you're starting to really clarify for yourself what your wealth means to you or what the richness or like your hard earned money means to you because we always talk about like money doesn't matter it does it actually does because it's the tool that enables you to craft a lifestyle that you really feel like you belong in and exactly as you were saying with bed sheets and like the candles and the wine You do hit a stage where you look at the cheaper option and think, I don't need to buy that. I can actually pay for just the nicer one and give myself that. But I think, especially from Singaporean culture, like we love a deal. We Uh, love a bargain. Yeah. And so it's ingrained in us that if you don't go for the cheapest option sometimes, it's the waste of money. But at the expense of value. So I Mm. think growing older is just like, where are you really assigning value in your life? Like Mm -hmm. we spoke about for us... Our wealth looks like our freedom to travel, our freedom to book any flight, go at will, having crafted careers that give us the flexibility to just go and do what we want to do separate to our work. But I think for everyone, I mean, for some people, it's literally like, I don't know, it's different. That's the thing. We're, we're at a point where you're allowed to define
0: what your idea of a rich life looks like. And I'm totally stealing the words from... What was the name of that guy? Uh, Ravi something. He's the he, was, he wrote a book. Yeah. He basically has a show on Netflix. Maybe you guys saw it. It's called How to How Get, to get rich. rich. We watched the first few episodes. I ended up buying his book because I like this idea of being really intentional in crafting what your version of success looks like what your version of wealth means what your version of value and rich looks like and i think it's an important exercise to do and i think it's an important thing to share and talk about and be be clear about for yourself especially at this point in your life i mean like in your 20s you're just figuring things out like you everyone kind of gets a pass things that happen with the number two in
1: front of it like 20 anything honestly It's a write off the shit you spend money on in your 20s thinking that's the thing that makes you feel like a big shot is like what was the most outrageous purchase you made in your 20s that made you think, yeah, because it's me and I made it when actually you look back and you're like, that was a stupid decision. It was a pair of Louboutin shoes. You have.
0: I have the, the red. I have the nude, red lube, red bottom Louboutins. And actually, the sentiment is not ridiculous for me because it was a time in my life where I was doing good with work and you know modeling and MTV and hosting and and I was on cloud nine and I. But like now, I'm gonna be like, girl, you spent how much on shoes? Like mm, you know, like mm-hmm. for me. Personally, my idea of richness comes in experiences and travel and 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 also a high quality produce like or good yes. quality food. Yes. And that's totally shifted. When I was younger, I can admit I was a bit more materialistic. And I think it was It's like I think it happens to a lot of us. We get sucked in trends, also like the the type of industry I worked in, like fashion and all that. Like it's very easy to just fall into like the shopping hole. Mm -hmm. but now it's more about yeah like where's my next adventure like what 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 cool restaurant can i go to like what nice produce do i get to put on my table keeping up with the fashion trends and like even
1: the things that are transient the things that fade over the course of time where in five years it's going to be completely irrelevant yeah that has really shifted for
0: me but also at the same time, if someone else feels like that's their world, they love that kind of stuff, that's a big definition of who they are for themselves. And, you know, keeping up with the trends and looking good and, you know, buying like this level of material things, mm-hmm. then do you, booth. That's yeah. your version of wealth, success, Yeah, if your Everest rich.
1: is a Birkenbag, so be it. Do it. Because I, if I think back, I would say I had the opposite where I was so frugal from mm. most of my 20s, where I just did not feel like even though I could save money I never felt like it was enough to start enjoying it I didn't feel like I had qualified to enjoy what I had made yet to be fair I did still like I didn't not splurge I spent most of my money on personal training Mm. back in the days where I was genuinely earning about I think two thousand dollars a month I was spending half of that on personal training at the gym mm. because that was the thing at that point in time that I decided held value to me and I don't regret that I actually am proud to have done that because I knew that was like an investment in myself but everything else like I wouldn't go out to eat at the places that I really wanted to because it was too expensive like I wouldn't go on the trips because the flights were just a little out of reach I'd save the money I was living at home so I wasn't paying rent but I was like no you you haven't worked hard enough to earn yourself that but then you know you watch all these i think what gen like gen z is getting now in terms of messaging when they watch all these reels about the lessons from the older generation and how many people are like stop waiting to enjoy yourself just do it now that i was like i was a victim of that Mm. a thousand percent i was so frugal to the point where i compromised Enjoying life. Mm. Like that seems so stupid to me. And now I'm like, oh, okay. Now that I still may not be like the richest person in the room, but I definitely have enough to enjoy myself. Ooh, I'm opposite. I think in my 20s, I was like, YOLO.
0: <laughs> like oh. I was like, I was really like letting myself indulge and living life to the fullest of what. I, my means would allow. And now I feel like because I had that out of the way in my 20s, I had that experience mm. then. Now I, I don't have such a need to to do
1: that anymore cause I've because I've done it. Was it because it was a part of your brain that was like, I'm in my 20s. I'll make more money farther down the line. This is for me to just enjoy myself. With. No,
0: it, it was all. I've always had the I don't think my mindset is really OK. It's changed in terms of like where I put value. Obviously, we talked about that. Yeah, but I think it's more like you only live once, honestly, not to be a freaking millennial with the YOLO, sorry, drink. But, <laughs> but, you know, life is precious. Life is short. Let's be in the moment. Let's live for today. That was so my mindset. And in many ways, it still is just differently. So when it came to indulging and letting myself do all this, it's like, let's do it now while we can.
1: But now I've had the experiences. So what does I it don't look like to, to you now? Of what do you mean? Like in terms of like you're saying you still enjoy... Yourself, but your attitude is the opposite, In I guess what you're more foundation building with your money like you're like, where, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm your cash now. No,
0: I, oh, I am putting it towards travel, my future, mm-hmm. good quality stuff, stuff, good qu- quality stuff. I think yeah. that's the thing, that's the key word. You get to a point where you're like, mm, I'm gonna check the labels and make sure it's 100% cotton, you know, like quality items that have longevity no more polyester blends no more like fast fashion no slow down you know just like really just yeah all the stuff that was quick dopamine hits that my wallet could afford me I just don't do it anymore now that I'm older
1: so going back to when you were younger how did you define making it like what did making it look like to you
0: um a similar thing to what i have now because i don't think my values have changed Mm -hmm. that much like i still value independence freedom open-mindedness um uh and compassion like these have always been been my north stars so i think back then it was still freedom and -hmm. independence so, yeah, I'd say that during that era of my life that felt successful. But if we're going to talk about success, you know, I think that my story is a it's quite different from the average early 20s because sure. I started work quite young and in you that regard fresh out of school. Yeah, right? I, I started really young. I started working really young and I started working in a profession that served me well really young. So, I was yeah. always I was very um careful to not compare or put myself like in Just in Mm. the general, like early 20s category, just because I had started my career like four or five years before Mm -hmm. everyone else did. Mm -hmm. And so it's just different.
1: It's so interesting because when I was in university, my dad had this really great practice where whenever he would visit us, he would take us out somewhere really nice for dinner and we'd be like, oh, it's too expensive or whatever. And my dad would always say, this is for aspirational living. I want you to understand the caliber of lifestyle you can aspire towards. This isn't an everyday thing, but this is something that you're going to reach for one day. And so that's set in my mind of, there are finer things that I've learned to enjoy that I want to earn for myself. And I think in university, because everyone's everyone is super like, budget conscious, because there are some people who are taking out debt in order to be at university. Some are fortunately bankrolled by their parents. Like I was lucky enough to have my parents pay for my university education. But you're always super cost conscious right down to which supermarkets you shop at. And like that was such a big deal. So to draw some kind of equivalence, like there was Lidl. Yeah, I know Which is... I would say it's like Giant supermarket It's like the Sheng Kind of vibe Yeah It's yeah. like giant Sheng And then you have Fair Price Which is like Tesco And and then you have I'm gonna say Waitrose is more like Cold storage Okay And then you got like
0: Little Farms Which is like okay, March no, and Spencer's Yes Like yeah. more
1: boutique-y In terms of like Very select
0: like $10 for one avocado Yes
1: Yeah And so University became This whole like What level of supermarket are you shopping at? And you had the rich kids who were shopping at the Waitrose without blinking an eye. And then you had me, who was super thrifty at little. And I loved the reduced to Clear aisles. I remember one time. Still love them. One time, my record was I bought four whole honeydew melons for 54p. Ah, bargain. Yeah, it was... I texted my sister at the time. (laughs) I I was like, you won't believe what I've just accomplished for myself. But I remember thinking to myself, my level of wealth is when I can shop at the Marks and Spencers, Waitrose's, you know, Jasons of the world, little farms of the world without having to question whether it's within my means to do so. Like my standard of living is that is the default. Mm. I don't think I'm there yet. I could. I just don't think I would last very long. But that was sort of it. It was the moment at which I wasn't even thinking about money because I knew I was capable of doing the thing I wanted. Mm -hmm. That total freedom of choice. Mm. So like you would attach it to, you know, freedom, flexibility, and that would look like travel. But it was just the, like the, the total weightlessness of being like, I can do that if I want.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's so interesting. And actually that experience I think is really relatable with so many people. You lived like the student life, right? I, I didn't Mm -hmm. because I didn't go to university. I I didn't have that like experience of being in the dorms and having your peer. It was just really different for me. Um, But yeah, I think... That's it. I think this is what the conversation is. It's like find out through your experience. And I think a lot of us are at the similar point. We're not juniors anymore. We're you know, mid-career level-ish, hopefully. Middle tier. Middle tier. <laughs> <laughs> and um, we can start being clear, unapologetic, about when we get to indulge, what our version of success looks like. And we're so past comparing ourselves to what we see as being fed to us as the rich life. And also this is, I think this is a touchy one in Singapore, especially because we are notorious for being a very, uh, label driven society. Oh yeah. Yeah. You're like here for watches, like your postal code, like everything like that. Status matters here. Exactly. It's such a, it's so, it's so prevalent. We all know what I'm talking about. So it's like finding those moments of consciousness to pull back from Like those echo boxes of just what the vibe is out here to find what works for you and just be unapologetic and true in that.
1: But I do think it's not as easy as it sounds sometimes because if I think back on what I thought I should be spending my money on as I earned more of it, I thought it was things like upgrading the quality of my wardrobe. And the fact of the matter is, as nice as it would be to have. You know, the Cosses of the world, the Pradas, the Marc Jacobs, whatever it is, I always felt like that was what I was supposed to do, but I just could not get myself to care. I don't care about the brand of my clothes, so long as it's good quality and it's functional and I can get, like, go to A to B and I don't look like a hobo, that's enough for me. But I remembered, I think it was was probably my mother. (laughs) being like upgrade yourself and I was like my definition of upgrading just doesn't look like that but now it's adjusting because I think you know especially given our industries things like image do matter whether it's in the Singaporean context or just what we do for a living so then I'm like oh you should treat yourself to that manicure because that that treat is also an investment in a way and so it's the difference between Am I elevating my wardrobe or, you know, doing my nails or whatever? Because that's where I see a luxury that I've afforded myself. Or is that a different kind of investment for myself?
0: Mm. Do you know what I mean?
1: I do. Like, is this like is
0: the idea of this investment for myself means that. This will help me succeed further versus I'm getting this because I like the way my nails look after.
1: Yeah. Like, is this a reward for everything I've worked for or is this something that is also going to act for the betterment of my future? Well,
0: it can be both. It can totally be both. And I actually think that upgrading yourself in whatever ways that applies to you is an investment for your future. Like If you feel like that makes you happy, that's a revenue investment for your future because if you feel good about yourself, you're going to emit good vibes and you're going to be more magnetic. And so that's an investment for Mm. your future. And you know me. I'm a big believer in uh, dressing for success. I'm a good believer in being you know, kind of groomed Mm -hmm. and be ready Mm -hmm. for the occasion. I'm always overdressed as opposed to being (laughs) the underdressed. I'm like, always be overdressed. You're always the
1: glamorous friend. Yeah,
0: and that's because there is a reality to
1: and psychology of how these things do favor you. So that's the thing that I've learned to attach value to things that I see as now more of an investment rather than things that I just think are a treat because yeah. like I don't care Listen, that much. I'm going to say
0: it very clearly for, for for just to be said. Grooming <laughs> and like upgrading and having your aesthetics a little polished, I believe is important. Because it yes. is, it's just the reality of the world. If you show up, I mean, it, there are some cases where, you know, it's. this is way too much of a generalized sweeping statement. So don't get like, don't get too
1: don't bunched come up. Don't
0: come at us. But it is the reality of the world. Like if you show up to a job interview, if you show up to a date, if you show up to an occasion where you're trying to gain something, and if you're not groomed, if you're not looked after yourself, if you look a little disheveled, the chances are people are going to already judge you for that. It's, it's just—it's
1: just how the world it's works. True. Your appearance does matter. It to does, a degree.
0: but it appearance and the way that you look after yourself. There's like a self-respect that comes with being put together when you show up. It's the way that you view yourself, and the way you view yourself is the way that others will view you. It's like the way you treat yourself—you show others how to treat you. If you show up everywhere as your best self, even in the days where you don't, where you can't, you do your best. You know that is a level to me of self-respect.
1: True. I agree with you. I also just sometimes see myself as like the disheveled and unruly genius that just (laughs) needs a little bit more sleep. And I'm like, you will take me as I am because you know I'm brilliant. Even if I just look up like I'm about to start crying.
0: (laughs) You can do do both. But I'm saying the game has been like this for years and years and years. You
1: might as well play the game. It's true. It's like natural selection. Like you will gravitate towards someone who looks like they just have it together. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. And that makes total sense. And totally.
0: It's like it's like the personal trainer thing, right? Like honestly, if my personal trainer was in tip top shape, I trust him. Even like mm. I trust him. He's a walking product of his craft. But if my personal trainer, even if he had the certifications, if he showed up and he wasn't in the like top tip top
1: shape, I would be suspicious. It's just <laughs> Oh, I would have I would have seen them and been like you're going for the relatable thing. Huh? No.
0: I'm <laughs> a little suspicious, but
1: that's my approach,
0: right? So, anyway, take it at take that as uh, you will and again, open to hear your opinions. Everyone's different on this. Everyone was also raised different on this. Values, your north star, everyone has their differences and these are simply our views on the matter.
1: Yeah just buy yourself the nice thing every now and again if it's a sandwich if it's a handbag if it's a Louboutin or if it's a flight yeah you it's know a what a candle or a wine bottle just exactly. do it exactly
0: light the nice candle drink the nice bottle of wine like on life is short we might as well like enjoy the fruits of our labor while they're here before they go rotten
1: oh 100% i definitely went overboard though because i i re- like this mindset really crystallized to me when i moved from one bedroom in my apartment to the other and i had to filter through a lot of my belongings and I had a bunch of nice candles that I had never lit. And then I overcompensated for that by lighting all of them at once. <laughs> <laughs> and so now every single one is like down to the nub and I'm like, worth it.
0: <laughs> you know what's interesting? We've talked a lot on, uh, about like just sort of material objects, objects in this discussion, right? Um, I'm actually going through a moment where I am detaching myself
1: from my things. I, I see that I think I'm coming from the point of I don't think I have too much of an attachment to material things beyond their sentimentality. So what I mean by this also is I recently moved.
0: And in the process, I had a giant Marie Kondo call. Mm. And I also more or less said goodbye to a place that was very sentimental to me. Mm -hmm. And I also realized that I have moved house. And moved home like six times in the last 10 years, which is a lot. It's a lot emotionally to leave a place, to say goodbye. And, you know, the moving process, you throw out a lot of things. And so I realized that I was putting too much meaning into stuff.
1: I think that's also
0: why these days, you know, you ask like, what was the difference when you were younger now with like, when it comes to like material things? But through the process of getting rid of things, clearing things out, moving space, I realized that it hurt every time to say bye. And I actually had to check myself of what could I do for future self to basically save my emotions, save my overthinking, save my anxiety of having to say goodbye so often. So I've sort of shifted my mindset around objects and even spaces to just be grateful for them in the present, but not actually attach too much of myself to them because nothing is permanent. Things change all the time. And if every that time I go through a major change, I go through this like emotional ordeal, does that really help me? You know, it kind of makes things a bit more appreciative in the moment. Like, for example, this home that I'm living in. I could not be I probably won't be living there next year. So I'm walking around the home right now. And I'm like, I love this place. I love every corner of it. And I love it for where it is right now. Mm -hmm. But I'm almost not letting myself fall too in love with it to protect the inevitable, which is change. So maybe that's something to do with my like, you know, relating with things and places and stuff. I just I'm trying not to merge myself too much with things.
1: I mean, I understand it, but I also think that there's like a beauty in that heartbreak happening because it is a moment in time or like a phase in your life or, you know, an indicator of where you were at a certain point in time that should be given credit of like being said goodbye to. Like, I think it's natural to have an attachment or a sentimentality to these objects because that is who you were for a chapter. And even if it's shifting... I don't think it's ever reason to not build a new relationship with a new space in the same way because I think, I think there's beauty in like that process of grieving in a way, saying goodbye, letting go. No,
0: totally, totally. And I hear you, but I think what I'm trying to say is that I'm not, I'm no longer making places and things and items and situations my home. Okay. I, I've realized that home is really me. Like, it's the whole idea of that I want to get to a point where wherever I am, I'm so comfortable, I'm flexible, I'm adaptable because I'm good with just myself being there. Because mm-hmm. I've experienced the turnaround so often that I'm like, oh, actually... The walls change, the the materials change, even the friends change, the music changes, but like the thing that is consistently there is me. So I'm going to take the energy back and put it back into myself
1: instead of attaching it to what's around me. I see you. But I think it's also probably slightly different for us than it would be for other people because it's always within the context of Singapore, which does represent to us like a greater sense of home, even if it's not like the specific physical space. Well, I think, you know, for expats here, like you and I have a lot of expat friends, their notion of home is still where their family is. And there is this, like, I don't think they have necessarily the privilege of feeling like It's just them in themselves because they've had to say goodbye to so much that there is still this other life that exists there. Mm. And so when they speak about the way they miss home, I think that's a different kind of heartbreak that we don't really have a sense of until we leave Singapore. That's true. That's true. But I I mean, that's true. But I I have also had a
0: slight experience of that when I spent all that time in Bali and I was away from home and I was like creating a home there and then I had to leave that home. And then I was like,
1: But home was still
0: here for you to come back to. You know what I mean? I I know. And I hear you. I think what I, my point is that it's more like the physical spaces that we are. Like home, of course, home in that sense is always Singapore. But like, don't attach yourselves to rooms. Don't like, call people your home don't like make items your home don't don't take away the feeling of home and safety from outside of yourself like don't give your power away like that we do it so unintentionally with good reason but i find i'm finding that the healthiest thing for me to do is just to remember and put the power back of what home means is to just be in my own body Mm, i think
1: because i again this come this is similar to what we were saying about like what does you know wealth look like to you what does home look like to you everyone's got their different definitions right like for me i do think there is an attachment to people Mm -hmm. like for me it's wherever my family is that is my home yeah i mean that's a granted yeah that's like baseline yeah but i think in terms of what i've always found is that there was always this focus on like where is your one home and i feel like because i have communities in so many different parts of the world i have homes I have homes in all of those places. When I go to London, I have a home because my brother and my sister are there. When I go to New York, I have a home because I have some of my closest friends there. And it's like, it's this constant amorphous, like there's different types of home Mm -hmm. that I can go into and out of without feeling like I am leaving one to go and like to not have one for a while. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I'm not, if I leave Singapore... I'm not leaving home altogether. I'm leaving a home and going to another. I know, but think about this. Like, how incredible would we all be if
0: that feeling of home that you described in different parts of the world didn't, weren't just in those different parts of the world? That that feeling of home could happen anywhere just because of you. Like, I could go to a really random hotel room in the middle of Nepal, and I'll still feel myself feel like home just because... My body, my walls, that is my home. Yeah, I think yeah, it's kind of I like, th- think about, yeah. like... Think about how powerful you would be as a human to be able to walk the earth, interact, and have that confidence and grounding in just, I'm all I have, I'm enough.
1: Yeah, I think, I think it's... I think that would actually absolutely be amazing. But I also think it's like the difference between the comfort and security and safety that you can craft and build for yourself, which are all qualities of a good home without the home necessarily being there than it is about like creating a sense of home in that space if that makes sense like if i travel somewhere and i say i'm staying in an airbnb for three weeks like i will make that my space that will be my home for the three weeks but do i think it is home no no Do Mm -hmm. I think I can make it a temporary home where I feel the comfort of coming home to after a long day and unwinding or feeling like I can spend a Sunday there without having to go out and make plans because I'm abroad? Yeah, I think I can do that. And I think it comes back to what you were saying about like the self-confidence and the security in order to create that for yourself. Mm -hmm. But I still don't think I would count it as home for me. Yeah,
0: well, that's because you're talking about home and being like Singapore with my family. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm talking about home in like a somatic, energetic, safety, like, mm. f- like spiritual home, kind yeah. of. Yeah.
1: That that's the sense yeah. I'm talking about. Which I think is like, because I think you can have both, right? Like, oh no, we absolutely have both.
0: Yeah. Um, but yeah, my focus recently has been to ho- hone in on that home, mm-hmm. just because of the last year, the last sorry, ten
1: years of moving six times of being like, okay. So what does that look like in terms of? How do you practice that? Like, what do you do to cultivate that for yourself? Self-talk, intuition, um, like just
0: moments of true acknowledging when I feel peaceful, like Mm -hmm. savoring the peace, understanding what that peace looks like on like a diet sense of like what's going on in my mind. Like, it's really like a self-assessment over and over again to Mm -hmm. be like, okay. So consistent mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah. How am I? Where am I at? And it's been pretty cool. This has been the most peaceful and most like happy, but not even in like an erratic, like chaotic happiness, like elation. Like I've mm. been happy, but I've been calm for for a while now. And I've not felt this way for or such a long time. And and it's just made me so reflective of so what that a, means. It's a
1: contentment over a euphoria. Mm hmm. It's like a, like a steady undercurrent mm-hmm. where everything is aligned and everything is peaceful. Mm-hmm. What's that like?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, it's an interesting space to be. And I think this chat that we had is like really insightful. And I think we touched on a few really key points. And I think it's something that we hope you can use as a sort of jump pad for your version of getting these things clear about what your success looks like, what your richness looks like. Are you at a point where you really are letting yourself enjoy and indulge in the things that you've created? You know, are you like, maybe for some people that richness feels like that contentment, like maybe it's not even about like things or experiences. Maybe it's just like nervous system, like what does it look like to you? What does it mean? Mm. And
1: yeah, let us know. Sounds like everybody's got to get their journals out. <laughs> <laughs> should we come up with our own exercise book? Instead of like how to get rich, Should be like how to get happy. <sighs> God, I'm sure there's another podcast on this. <laughs> so what we're saying is we shouldn't write the book. We should find the book and tell other people to buy it. We'll let you all know if we figure it out.
0: But as usual, we're still figuring it out and we appreciate you being on the journey with
1: us. Um am i missing out anything? Um thanks for bearing with us through the chaos of these lost episode attempts. We have done it. We've made it. Here we are and we're happy to be back on air. The episode that didn't want to be made. <laughs> no. No.
0: <laughs> Don't talk about it. Um, Okay, we will catch you when we catch you. You know the drill. Do the likey thing, the subscribey thing right into us. We miss hearing from you. And um, have a wonderful rest of the week. Till next time. Love you. Bye. Bye.